This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to Season 2 of the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast for Parents. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcasting community exists to educate, inspire, and encourage parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. Here, we talk about all the things impacting parents today, everything from health to big emotions, toddlers to teenagers, faith, self-care, stress, and so much more. We know parenting is tough work, but family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone. Family is one of life's greatest adventures. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey everybody, it's your host Susanna. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I'm excited you're here. I'm excited about this episode. I feel so honored that you're spending time with me this week, and I just wanted to congratulate you for making it, making it to lunchtime, making it to Friday, making it through another full day home with your toddler, making it till your spouse got home from their work trip. And so congratulations to you, and I know we're all busy, and our lives are full of all the things that bring us joy, and some things that don't bring us joy, but we still have to do. And so I'm proud of you. You made it. So I just wanted to kick this off with a little encouragement and let you know that I think you're doing great. So today's episode is with Kimball Lewis, and I loved our conversation. We really had such a great back and forth about some of the work that his company is doing, some of the resources that they have. And so Kimball Lewis is the CEO of a company called Empowering Parents. And they have a lot of wonderful free resources for parents that I'm excited to make you aware of if you don't know about them yet already. And today, Kimball and I talk about all kinds of things, but we really get into sort of that extreme behavior problems that some of our kids have. So he talked a lot about some of the calls he gets is from the sixth, seventh, eighth grade uh, parent, the parents of middle school kids. And just like when kids are, you know, when the behavior gets violent or when the behavior is sort of on this cycle and parents can't seem to get a hold of it, that's when he gets a lot of calls. And so Empowering Parents has this wonderful program that thousands of parents have used to kind of get their family back on track. And, you know, they provided me with some free resources, which I'm going to be sharing on Instagram this week. And so if you don't follow me, I'm at Susanna.McMonagall. And so today, Kimball and I talk about Oh, we talk about so many things, really. We talk about um, why kids act out. We talk a little bit about dropping the mom guilt, dropping the parents' guilt, and thinking about ways to help your child take responsibility for their actions and having a better understanding that they are responsible for some of the things that they bring to the table. And so I just, I really enjoyed this episode and I know you guys are gonna enjoy it too. So as always, if you want to support this podcast of mine, two things you can do. Number one, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what your favorite episode is and how we can encourage you more. And secondly, share with your friends in real life and on your socials. That's it, I'm out of here. Enjoy this episode with Kimball Lewis of Empowering Parents.
Kimba Lewis. Welcome to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast with Susanna McMonagall. I'm excited to have you here today and learn more about the important work that you're doing. So I thought, why don't you start off by sharing with my listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit um, about how you came to lead empowering parents and in doing so, this is this is the um, tricky, tricky part. Uh, Can you share something that you want more of in 2022 and something you want less of in 2022? Oh gosh, you didn't send those questions ahead of time. (laughs) By way of introduction. I know, you know, that's not, that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So I'm, I'm Kimball Lewis. I'm the CEO of empoweringparents.com. We are a website that most people find us by doing a Google search because they're frustrated with their child's behavior, acting out, back talk, uh, motivation problems, all those, all those types of things. And that's how they find us. We have lots of free articles and we have a program, a premium program called the total transformation program. That's been around for over 10 years now. That's how, how a lot of people have heard of us also. And it's a step-by-step guide, comprehensive guide on, on how to deal with a child who's very resistant to authority and you have behavior problems and you're at your wits end. You're not sure what to do. So it's sort of A to Z, what you can do as a parent to deal with those things. So, and I've been with Empowering Parents since 2016. Okay. And before that, I've, I have a, a technology and healthcare background, which makes, you may wonder why that got me into, into uh, yeah, a child bit. behavior stuff. So <laughs> it's a, it's a confluence of things. So one is I'm a, I'm a parent of, of two teenage boys. So I've raised kids. I knew James Lehman. So the author of this program is James Lehman. And many people have actually heard of him. Yeah. Uh, he, he deceased a few years ago. So I kind of took the mantle after he deceased and I'm sort of, I'm the evangelist for his work, continue it on. And back then, 10 years ago, it was books and DVDs and CDs and people don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> True. So the technology side of me brought all this stuff online so that people around the world can consume the content and consume this, the total transformation program online uh, in a much better format than, than ordering books and DVDs. Uh, and then, and then prior to that, I started out my career at a think tank in Washington, DC, and I, I worked on child uh, welfare uh, research issues, child welfare mm-hmm. and child health care. So, so I've had this, I've had this theme of, of, um, of raising kids and child care. I did big brother programs, all that kind of stuff. Then I had my own kids, all of that <laughs> combined with technology and, and coming into this company. And how do we, how do we keep James Lehman's work alive? And James Lehman lived in Maine. That's how I knew him. He, he was, oh, wow. I, lived, I lived in the same town as him. And, um, he was a, he was someone I knew and, uh, uh, worked closely with with someone that I've known for a very long time. So after he passed away, I'm like, what's going to happen to the company? And 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 the people that were running it approached me, and, and we're trying to keep it alive. So and I was yeah. at a point in my life where I could try something new and different. And and we love the program. And that's it's, remarkable. It's it's unbelievable um, job satisfaction to hear directly from parents. Yeah. That that this thing has worked. It's been it's been fantastic. I I wasn't you know, what I was doing was not effective. And you kind of opened my eyes as to what the situation was. And prior to that, I'd work in sort of business to business type environment, like, like my customers were insurance companies and other stuff for yeah, a number of yeah. years. They don't, <laughs> whatever wrote me, don't ever yeah. wrote me a letter saying, thank you so much for, yeah. you know, building those awesome systems. Like, I mean, maybe they felt that way, but it, it's not the same as when you hear from a parent nope. who like, who literally didn't like their child. They would say, as I hated my kid, Ugh. it's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible thing to think. And actually to get to the point where we said out loud, I don't even like my child. And the, and the turn that thing around. So that's incredible. So it's, 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 it's been great. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So you want, uh, uh, so you want more satisfied parents, maybe less, less DVDs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. We don't even have these. Someone actually wanted DVDs. I have a few left, but uh, uh, you're like, let me look in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, empowering parents as I understand it, and I know you're going to share more, can uh, help address like some of the more difficult behavior problems that parents might deal with. We talked about like abusive behavior and violent behavior, which, you know, there's not as many resources out there for things like that. Can you help us sort of identify, you know, like when is a behavior out of control? Like, do you tend to get parents calling at like the same part in the process or are parents like more proactive these days? And then like, what are, what's like the first thing a parent can do? Well, first of all, reaching out for help is the number one thing. And, and we commend everyone that comes to us or other places, a lot of resources out there today. And a lot of people have come before you. If you have a, if you have a defiant child, other people have been through it and you can learn from those people. So you don't have to, you don't have to make those same mistakes. And you can look at what you're doing and dealing with that child. And you can look at, what, what, you know, we will tell you what, what is generally effective and not effective in those situations. And knowing that and coming and reaching out for those resources allows you to see what's going on. And you look at it in a slightly different way than when you're embroiled in it yeah. as well. So um, that's a, that's a big part of it. And that's why, that's why people come to us. And, but to answer your question, when, when they, when they're at their wits end, that's when they, I mean, that's when parents are generally coming to us, yeah. you know, things, it's no longer fun being a parent. Mm. And for, and for most of our, I'd say most of our customers, the issues start coming up, especially when they're adolescents, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, suddenly, like it can happen within a day or two, like suddenly your kid changes and like, Whoa, who's that, who's that, that kid who used to be a sweet kid. Now they're talking back to me and, yeah and, and a lot of it's, you know, biological and hormones and stuff. And then for other kids, you know, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, right when they are out of the womb, this is going to be a trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because the thing is, some kids are hard. Yep. And we tell parents that some kids are hard and some kids are easy. Mm-hmm. Some kids need a few corrections and they figure it out. And some kids don't need a lot of corrections. I mean, some kids need a lot more help yeah. figuring it out. And we can talk a little more about that. But, but that's, that's why one of the things we say is for parents, um, don't blame yourself for your child's behavior because like, it's your child's behavior. And every kid's different. And, and because you have a hard kid doesn't make you a bad parent. It makes you someone who has a hard kid. Yeah. Um, and so, and we see lots of parents who have three kids. The first two are fine. Generally, generally figure things out. And the, and the third one's like a nightmare. Like <laughs> <laughs> it makes their life crazy. So it's not like the parent's a bad parent. The parent is is most of our parents, what we call good enough parents. Like they don't have serious alcohol or abuse yes. problems or whatever. If you have those problems, we send you somewhere else. Cause you got to take care of that. Like, that's right. Like that's not, we're talking about the parents that come to us. They're what we call good enough parents. They don't like have to be superstars. That. They don't have to be, they don't have to be, you know, CEOs and they don't have to be like, or whatever. They just have yeah. to be good enough parents who, yeah. who generally care about their kids and they're not abusive and, yeah. and, whatever. And those are the parents that that's our sort of bread and butter. And, and we help them when they have a, when they have a kid who's challenging. Yeah. And I think that's great what you say, because there are cases, I mean, you can think of where literally, you know, big brother is perfectly 
well-behaved and you use the same methods and it just, it sticks for one kid and it just does not stick for the second kid. Yeah. It's always, it's always the last one, which is why you stop having kids. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that that's God's way of saying, all right, you're good. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's like that joke about how you can, um, whenever I find something, you know, I, it's always the last place I look when I find something, but that's, you stop looking at that. (laughs) Yes. So it's the same thing with kids. Like the, like the, usually it's the last kid that, that is the hard one. And that's why. Yes. And so. you know, let's stick on this topic here for a minute. Cause I did have that later in my notes to ask you is, is parents like blaming themselves? Is that like a hurdle that they have to get over in order yeah. to get help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And we, and we, we tell that cause there's a lot of guilt involved. Yes. And they get guilted by other parents, you know, like you're the, you're the parent that has the bad kid. Yes. And, uh, that kind of stuff. So so we don't, we don't want, and this is goes contrary to what, what you'll see sometimes mm. on like social media and other stuff when, when like a kid is bad in school and you'll hear people like reflexively go, we need to hold these parents responsible for these kids' behavior. We kind of take a different approach. We're like, no, you need to, you need to hold the child responsible for the child's behavior. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. And the child, the child needs to be held responsible and accountable because when it comes down to it, the child's the only person who can change their behavior. You can't make someone change their behavior. All you can do is set limits, enforce those limits, and then coach the child into sort of better behavior Yeah. skills, but you can't make them do it. No. And that's actually, that's actually liberating for parents. We tell them you can't make your child behave. You can (laughs) respond to their bad behavior, but you can't make it, you know, and some kids really are going to fight it hard. Oh yeah. And they're going to be and they're going to be difficult. And we have unbelievable success dealing with those kids in a situation because it seems like it's you're at a loss but the kids will eventually respond to to um uh the programs that we put in place for how you, for how you deal with this. But yeah. we say hold the child responsible for behavior and don't, you know, don't feel guilty about it. Just respond and you know, it, it happens with um I'll do a slight segue here, but I've done other uh, interviews with folks who want mm-hmm. to talk specifically about divorce situations. People have podcasts on divorce. Sure. And yeah. And, and in a divorce situation, you feel guilty because your child, like you feel guilty because of the divorce that your child's going through a hard time. Yeah. I understand that you should be empathetic. It's a hard time for the kids or whatever. But, but what happens is the parents, they stop, they feel guilty and they, they'll actually blame the other parent for the child's behavior. Wow. So let's say you have a permissive parent and the child is misbehaving. Yeah. And that's a mistake too, to blame the other parent for the child's behavior. You still want to hold the child accountable for the behavior because it is their behavior and they're the only ones who can change it. Yeah. So not, not holding them accountable and, and blaming yourself is, is akin to um, like, if your child's out of shape, you can't go to the gym for your child and work out. Like it just doesn't like, only the child can do that. So that's right. I want anyway. somebody else to go to the gym for me. I know. So, <laughs> and we get those benefits. <laughs> it doesn't work. If you lift the weights uh, for your child, your child's not going to get stronger. So that's anyway, right. so so it's liberating for a lot of parents to hear that they're not, you know, don't feel guilty. It's not, yeah. It's up to your child. And sometimes it's hard. It takes a while. Yeah. So so, so let's back up a couple, a couple steps here. So some of the, some of the resources you guys talk about is about, you know, why, why do kids act out in the first place? So give us a little bit of the insight there. So the, the general, our general approach on is, is that kids act out because they have poor problem solving skills Hmm. and the acting out actually is a problem solving skill. It's an ineffective one. Sure. Well, no, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's ineffective because it actually works. That's why they do it. Yeah. You scream loud enough in a store. 
You might and, get, and they get what they want. That the, the yeah. parent does whatever it takes to get the kid to stop screaming. Yep. Or, or you fight back about not wanting to do your homework or your chores enough that when you go home at the end of the day, and I know it's your podcast is five day. Let's say you get home and you're exhausted after a hard day. And do you fight with your child yet again about doing the chores? Sure. Or do you say, it'll be quicker if I do it myself. Yeah. And then you stop holding your child responsible for those things. You just, you avoid the fight altogether. So you just say, it's not worth it. It's yeah. not worth my time and energy. And the child by acting out has figured out that if they push hard enough, you're going to give up. Hmm. And so it works for them. Yeah, and, it does. And it's not a huge deal when they're seven and eight and nine. I mean, it's, it makes it difficult as a parent, but if they don't develop better ways to solve those problems hmm. when life gets more complicated and their relationships get more complicated as they get older, what they're going to have to do in terms of like arguing and fighting back in order to solve those problems is going to be greater and greater and greater. And then you start getting into real trouble. Yes, you do. So, so our, our approach is twofold. It's a problem solving. We, we view it as a, as a problem solving issue and through effective consequences, we make sure that their problem solving no longer works for them. They don't yeah. get what they want. And in fact, there's a consequence for doing what they're doing. So that doesn't work. And then at the same time, you offer them alternative skills to yeah. solve the problem. So the next time, the next time you're frustrated with your sister, instead of smacking her, you can do this and you offer them a menu of items of what they do. And by the way, here's your consequences for smacking her. Cause we yeah. don't, we don't do that in our household. Yes. They get a consequence, like a real consequence that's of consequence to them. That's yes. That matters. Um, but you off, you have to offer them afterwards an alternative way to, to manage the problem. Yeah. And then they can, and then they can solve it better. They're going to, so it's that one, two punch of making sure those problem solving skills that are not good problem solving skills, but work with mom and dad. Yes. No longer work. And then offer them alternative skills. Yeah. That's great. Campbell. And it, it you know, it almost makes me think of like, you know, people who are adults who don't cope very well, right? There's like terrible ways to cope. There's drinking and, you know, drugs and all these other things, but it's like, sometimes people need like an alternative. Right. Yep. And I think that with kids, especially if they're successful with the, you know, the, the more negative problem solving tactics that they're using, really, yeah. it's a good way to think about it because they have a problem. They're hungry. So they're yelling or they want that toy. So they're mm -hmm. hitting, um, because I'm thinking of my own parenting and I think we're pretty good pointing out things we don't like, but we're probably not as good with the, instead let's do this. Like we have mm -hmm. the, the one punch. I don't know. We always follow up well enough with some of the, um, the better ways to do it. Yeah. That's the coaching side of it. So that's, the, we yeah. teach parents how to, how to coach, how to coach your child and how to put them in a situation where they have a chance to succeed. So but step one is usually to start to start enforcing the limits and having what we call effective consequences because a consequence is not simply a punishment. It, there's, there's a little more to it and you want to be a little more thoughtful about it. And then there's the coaching aspect of it. Okay. So, yeah. and it's both of those things. So talk to me a little bit then about like the, the, the consequence piece there. I'm very intrigued with that. So um, a very, one thing we don't recommend is these over the top consequences where you like ground your kid for a week or two. Okay. Because we, we, we say that what that teaches the child is it teaches them how to do time and you don't want your child to get good at doing time. <laughs> That's not the skill you want them to have. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> you don't. That's Ooh. not good. 
what you want is, is you want short-term task-oriented consequences are ideal that are somehow related to the original behavior. So task-oriented short-term, and if you can make it related to the original behavior. Uh, and so for an example would be if you have a, if your son hits, gets frustrated and hits the sister. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the tasks, the, the consequence might be they lose their electronics for three hours, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, they have to not hit their sister. That The task is they have to behave appropriately for three hours. And if they don't, mm-hmm. you reset the clock. And it teaches them mm-hmm. to practice self-discipline, not hitting their child and they get frustrated. The coaching side of that would be you sit down when it's quiet, not when you're dealing, you know. Right doing the consequence, but you sit down, look, when you get frustrated with your sister, instead of hitting her, here's what you can do. Yeah. You know, give yourself a timeout, go to the next room or whatever, come see me, you know, do something, find something else to do. Any, anything to, to not get your away from doing that thing and practice that a couple of times and they'll have some success and they'll, and they'll, they'll realize that's better than it's better than hitting her and then having the consequence and then getting all, all worked up about it. So and then um, the other one, the other one we like, which I, I like giving this example. You don't have to use it. There's a lot of different consequences you could use, but I like sure. this one because it's not something a parent would think about. Okay. Um, so let's say your 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 daughter or your son swears at you. We get that a lot. Like they, you know, f you, mom. Like that happens. Like teenage daughters and sons I will feel like that's probably a pretty big trigger to, uh, to place a phone call or an email yes. when that happens. <laughs> and, and it happens and it happens with the best of kids. Sure. It really does. They get to it a does. point where they hit the, you know, 13, yeah. 14, 15. And they, yep. you know, they test, they're testing the waters. Actually. They're like, can I actually, when I get really upset with mom and dad, can I swear at them? Yeah. Um, again, a consequence is they lose something of consequence to them. Like, so electronics is, is always the first one we go to because kids love like their electronics or whatever. And it's actually yep. useful to have them not on electronics. So it's a two for, yes, it's a two for consequence. Yes, it is. But, but they lose it until they write a letter to you, handwritten letter, sit down and write a letter explaining. T- and you can tell them what needs to be in the letter, but explaining to you as the parent that, that, Swearing is wrong. We don't swear in this household. It's against the rules. We don't say, um, you don't have to write, I'm sorry, because we don't believe that the child's, I'm sorry. They're not writing the letter because they're sorry. They don't like, no. that's not, that's <laughs> not honest. They're not sorry. <laughs> no. They may be someday, but they're not. You just have to have them write the letter and say, in this household, we don't swear at our parents or at each other. We don't use verbal abuse. And, and the next, and the next time i I feel so upset that I want to swear at you. I'm going to do X instead. Mm. And then you sort of coach them through that. Then you send them off and you have them write the letter and they're going to roll their eyes. And like, this is stupid. This makes no sense or whatever, but they actually have to complete a task before they can get their, their electronics or whatever it is they want to do before they can yeah. go out to see their friends again. They actually write this down and it reinforces that in this household, we have rules and you're accountable for those rules. And if you don't follow the rules, there's a, something's going to happen to you. And you do that over and over again. And, and that it, it reinforces something in a lot of households of parents that come to us that didn't exist before, before you did this. Like, yeah, it's like there weren't rules because they weren't being enforced or the parent thought there were rules, but the kid doesn't really think that there's rules because they're not spelled out. And some kids need, some kids need them spelled out. So this is a consequence where writing down the rule and, 
and actually having to go through the process of writing that letter and, and they don't like it. Like, and it's, yeah. they think it's goofy and they roll their eyes, but they do it four or five times. Eventually they'll, they'll like, they come, they come around. So. That's right. Oh, that's so interesting. And and such a great tool because you're right. There's a lot of rules that once they get broken and eh, they get broken, there's not enough consequences yeah. because, you know, mom's tired or whatever you, you just think it'll be a one-off. And I, I think um, what I'm hearing from you is there, there, there's a, you know, a set plan in place when these things happen. Yeah. Um, and, go ahead. And, and it is a one-off sometimes, Yeah. but those parents don't really come to us because it's a one-off and they, yell to kid or whatever. And, yeah. and the kid figure and the kid figures it out and they don't and yes. whatever, but these are the people we're and the yeah. parents we're working with have kids that are tough. Yeah. And the tough kids are not bad kids. Like they're nope. tough kids. Like, like, do you think like Steve jobs was like easy to get along with child? Like they're, there's <laughs> these kids are strong-willed. They're independent. They don't want to do what everyone else is doing. They don't want to yeah. listen to what you're doing or whatever. Yeah. Those are the, those are the people that if they can channel that energy. Yeah. Become, become leaders in the, in the world. Yeah. And if they don't channel the energy, they end up doing time. Like it's, it's not, <laughs> well, you know, my husband was probably so, a tough kid and he's a very well-adjusted ad- ad- yeah. adult who's employed and father of three. And they're, they're not bad kids. They just think yep. they need some direction. And, and if, if, if you listen to the art, so the total transformation program, if you listen to it, that James Lehman, who does the program, yeah. He's, he's from New York. He's got this fairly thick New York accent. Okay. He was, he was an oppositional defiant kid, wow. ran away from home many times, lived on the streets of New York, was in and out of jails until he was age 25. Oh, wow. So he was, he was that kid. Yes, he was. All sorts of trouble, you know, substance abuse and yeah. a judge when he was 25, he went before a judge and the judge said, either you, you, you go into this accountability based program and finish it. If you don't finish it, you're going, you're going to jail for like three or four years. Yeah. And he went to the program and it changed his life. He became wow. a counselor in the program. He went on to Fordham and then Boston University and got his master's in social work and became a counselor. And he worked with difficult kids for the next 30 years. Oh my gosh. What a story. As, as someone who was that kid, like yeah. he was that kid. So when he watches what they're doing they're you know, he's, he's not like, he's not naive. He, like, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's probably good. Um, Oh, so interesting. You know, and one of the things, um, one of the topics that I wanted to bring up was laziness, because this is something that you, um, you guys address. And I know some, some, one of the things that you talk about, but I have a lot of like thoughts and opinions on laziness. And, you know, I work with college students and that's kind of over here. And then I see a lot of parents who really, um, how do I want to say this? They, they, they just do so much for their child. Their child almost has no choice, but to be lazy. I mean, they just, everything is so handed to them. And I would be curious your take on this and, you know, and, and how parents can kind of counteract this. Yeah. So we, we classify that are generally under like motivation issues. That's a huge reason. I mean, that's a big reason people are coming to us there. I believe and, it. And, and we used to serve mostly adolescents and stuff, but we, we, our programs go up to age 25. Now there's a lot of kids. We have this adult, the adult child living at home syndrome. Oh and, my gosh. and, um, it's, it's probably, it's probably a third of the people that come to our website now have like a 20 something child living at home, not doing anything. That is wild. I wish I could it's, say I'm surprised, but I, I'm not, but I, but numbers- I'm like concerned. The numbers are huge. Census Bureau numbers confirm the numbers are huge. Our, our yeah. website traffic confirms the numbers are huge. We get about a half a million people a month to our website and fully a third of them are coming to these articles on 
they've got a 19, 20, 21, 22 year old kid living at home. Oh my word. And, and we, and parents, we do, when you come to us, we, we do coaching too. You can do like telephonic, uh, coaching with them. Yes. And, and that's a big topic, but we, we, we put the limit at age 25 and we'll have, we'll have parents contact who have a 30 year old child at home who want coaching on how to deal with that child. And we won't do it actually. I, we yeah. feel badly for them. They need some advice, but what we say to them is, is you have a roommate issue. <laughs> <laughs> you have a roommate issue. You have a bad roommate in your house. You got to figure out what you're going to do about it. Yeah. Because it's too, it's, it's beyond like, it's, yeah. it's no longer a parent child relationship at that point. And if it is, and if you think it is, you, you need to like go work on something else because it's not a parent child relationship. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah. It's a codependent relationship of some kind or a roommate issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we, we focus on, our focus is on households where the parent is the legitimate authority in the household and they okay. ought to be, they, they pay all the bills, the child's a minor or full-time student. We kind of, you know, yeah. kind of make that exceptional or whatever, but not yeah. an adult. Yeah, no. Um, but it's a huge problem. And it's, it's difficult. We do have articles about how, how do you get your, your kid out of the, out of the house, but, but motivation is, is, you know, schoolwork, but motivation's a hard, that's a hard one. It is. A hard and, one. and, um, kids like the way we approach it with schoolwork is you can't necessarily motivate your kid. Like they don't always like school. Mm-hmm. And, and when we do see motivation happens, kids get motivated after they have some success with something. Yeah. And so what, what we recommend to parents is you set up a system in your household for homework and doing work that is likely to, to give them a chance at success. And once they taste that success, then they get motivated. Hmm. So like, for me, like, if I want to go to that, like, like I'm the most motivated to go to the gym when I'm in shape. Yes. When I'm not in shape. I don't want to go to the gym, but after I go to the gym and I've been going to the gym on a regular basis, like then you get motivated, like the motivation follows the, the setting up some type of system. And the system yeah. would be, I, I put my clothes on I, and I drive to the gym, whether I feel like it or not. Yes. And then when I'm there, I'm like, yeah, I might as well work out. Yeah. And then, and then if you do it enough, you start to getting to the point where, Hey, I feel like doing this. Yeah. So, so we tell parents there, don't wait until your child gets motivated and say, how can I get my child motivated? You may not be able to get them motivated. What you can do is set up a system where they have a chance of success. And then they'll, and then through that success, they might get motivated, but they might not, they may not even like school, hmm. but doing nothing ought to be really uncomfortable. And that's the mm. problem is they're not uncomfortable enough. So doing nothing, if you're in the house doing nothing, it needs to be an uncomfortable existence to the point where you want to do something. You want to get out of the house. You want to get under your parent, out of your parents purview. So it's, it's just become, it's become too comfortable. Yeah. There, there's too many niceties and, uh, yeah, especially for those older kids. So huh. it's, it's a, it's a challenge though. And I think that we, I think that we underestimate our kids abilities and our, we underestimate their ability to figure things out if they actually have to. Yeah. And we baby them a little too much. Yep. Um, and it's hard for us to watch them struggle, but they need to, they need to do that struggling. Yeah. Um, and they can, and they, you know, it's also with behavior. Like if you don't hold your child accountable for their behavior, they start to think they're defective. Like mm. there's something wrong with them. It's like, like the kid who's the hard, difficult kid, if the parent kind of gives up on them, 
they start seeing themselves and labeling themselves as the difficult kid. There's something wrong with me. And, and if you're not holding them accountable and, and setting limits and stuff, they start viewing themselves as defective wow. and, and that they can't, they can't fix their problems because they're just different and they can, there's a lot they can do. They sure. might be different, but, sure. but almost everyone we work with, like, can make huge progress. Yeah. And, and, and be way better. Like the, they're not even sort of close to their potential, but. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's so much good stuff wrapped up in this. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, I, I, we, my I, husband and I, we're <laughs> big believers in like holding kids accountable. Like a three-year-old yeah. can do some things. They really can. Our kids are only one, three and six. So we're not very far into this. But, you know, we, you know, we just hear stories of just kids who have such little responsibility. And um, it's an interesting to think about what they're going to be like when they get to college. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you do that, actually, because that's something that I've like with my kids. Like it occurred to me early on watching them play video games because hmm. my kids, full disclosure, let my kids play video games. And right. at age four, they could do stuff that I couldn't do. Like those controllers <laughs> are complicated. And they are. And, and it occurred to me at, at, at when they were four, what they can do with those controllers. I'm like, they ought to be able to learn how to type. And so, so for example, so I gave them this video game where you learn how to type. Yeah. And my kids could type on it like a, without looking at the keyboard and the keyboard, when they were like six, they could, they could type like 50 words a minute Wow. <laughs> by playing these things. And then, and then likewise, if they can, if they can play those sophisticated, hard video games, they can operate, they actually can operate a car. So like, for example, oh, in wow. Alaska, I point out to people in Alaska, the driving age is like 14. Really? Because like a lot of kids work and have to work and, and it's, it's, it's different. I don't know if it's still that way, but I'm pretty sure it is. After someone's got to fact check me on there that. There you but go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that the my neighbors uh, were from Alaska, and the driving age was like was 14. But we had um we had boats like uh, my kids are 20 and 18 now. But but in most states, you can drive a boat when you're 10. Oh my gosh! With a parent, and then by yourself when you're 12. So in the state of Maine, a 12 year old can operate any boat of any horsepower. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what size it is. The, the only restriction is with no license. You don't have a license. There's no like license requirement. The oh only gosh. restriction is they can't operate those personal watercrafts. They've actually built rules. You have to be 16, but, but any other boat. So, so we were a water skiing family. We had a, we had a ski boat that was yeah. like this real boat. And, and um, I taught my kids how to drive the boat when they were like eight. And then when they were 10, with my wife spotting, I had them pulling me on the <laughs> ski boat. And then when they were 12, once they turned 12, I made them take, like, you're on your, go take the boat out. You know, when it wasn't busy at first. Sure. And, and go out and they were, they were totally capable. They had to swim. They were completely capable of operating a boat. Wow. And in fact, I trusted, I trust most 12 year olds more than a 17 year old. Cause. That's very interesting. <laughs> 17 is actually a worse age than 12 or 14. So like, like I think our kids could probably drive at age 14. They're probably safer wow. than, a, than a 17 year old driver. Um, if you give them the responsibility and you, and you hold them responsible and like right. they have the skills, like they have the physical skills to do it. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm, I'm all for giving kids. I love it. Exactly what you're doing. Like, like give letting them, giving them more and more responsibilities. I love it. Um, and I think what you said earlier is such an important piece of the puzzle is that if we, you know, not give up on them, but we're like, oh, this is too hard. They're not, you know, that goes into their psyche and that becomes part of their mental health and yeah. their motivation and all of these things. So it's, it's really twofold, if not more. Yeah. Yep. 
And now's the time to let them mess up on stuff and not do yes. stuff right and not like. So I think that's an anxiety issue too. I mean, there's clearly anxiety, but but yep. the, the best way to fight that stuff is you do that thing that that is making you feel anxious about whatever. That's right. I've told this story before. This is devolving a little bit, but I tell a story about my son. Um, when he turned 16, I'm like, you gotta get a job. And he's like, well, <laughs> what am I going to do? And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. You get a job. Something, <laughs> yeah. Something, something. <laughs> like, you, need, you need to go somewhere, not at home and be, re- and be responsible to someone else. So he was at McDonald's down the street. There you go. And uh, I'm like, go, go get a job at McDonald's. And he's like, well, how do I do that? And you know what the main barrier for him to going out was he was scared to have that conversation to walk into there <laughs> and not know what to say. Yeah. Like they don't know what to say. That's like, that was it. It wasn't, it wasn't about lasers. It was, it was the embarrassment of being 16 and a little bit like self-conscious yeah. to go in and go, uh, and you don't even have the words to say. You go, you go up to the counter and there's someone who's 16 and a half yeah. and you say, uh, can I have a job? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like an idiot. Right. And they're like, what? You're like you want a Coke? No, I want a job. Oh, you want to apply for a job? And then finally they're like, so he, he got the job. And then the first day he went in, very first day, because I picked him up, it was a three-hour shift. I picked him up afterwards and he looked like his eyes were like crazy. <laughs> like he looked like he'd yeah. been through the ringer. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and uh, anyone who wants to make fun of a McDonald's job, like do what my son did, which is he went on day one. They didn't train him. They were super busy. Oh my god! they put him in the drive. They put a headset on him and put him in oh the drive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's hard enough to like hear people in drive through. Yeah. You don't know what the, you don't really know the menu. Someone is trying to train them, but, but they're doing stuff they're too. Busy. And they're busy <laughs> and he's got people yelling at him and he can't, doesn't even know what the menu is. He doesn't know how to use the thing. And like, it's so stressful. Like yeah. being in the service industry is incredibly is. stressful. And like, he didn't want to go back. He's like, he's like, that was like awful. <laughs> I'm and, sure. And he went back, he worked there for like a year and loved it. Cause like, cause he mastered it within, you know, within yeah. a month or so, like you get going and then you feel yeah. good about it. So anyway, so we love that kind of stuff. And, but he was anxious about it. He was, had a lot of anxiety. Yes. About it. Didn't want to go back the next time. Yes. Gotta go back. back. Yeah. It's not, it's not a choice. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> you know, it, my students share similar experiences, you know, I mean, I, I help them with like interviewing and we talk about like, so if somebody asks them, like, how do you introduce yourself? Like, that's like what they're scared of. Like they know they're qualified. They just did four years at college. They got these great skills, but they're like, well, how do I talk about myself? Right. And I'm like, well, you, you know, you're posting selfies all the time. You can't figure it out. And they're like, no, help yeah. me. Um, but yeah, it's they don't know. They hump. don't, they don't know how, like you actually, we, we, in part of the coaching role that we talk about in the programs, yeah. you do, you actually do role playing sometimes. That's great. Like, what would you say when you go to, to, to a job interview? Or what do you say when, when like, like some kids have problems with social cues. They don't, they can't tell when someone's mad at them Yeah. and they end up in fights and other stuff because they've pissed someone off. They, don't, they have no idea that, that, <laughs> no that awareness. yeah, they don't have this awareness or whatever, or they don't know how to deal with someone who's angry at them. Yeah. And, um, you sort of, you can role play through that, especially with younger kids and the role playing matters a lot. So like the same thing, like job interviewing, that kind of stuff, uh, you, yeah. you probably do mock interviews at school and stuff. Those things we are do. incredibly useful. They are. So, and I say the same thing that you said earlier, I would rather you fail in my office and we can, you can go outside and we'll start yeah. again than something, you know, a job you really want. Yep. And you do it a few times and you assume the first few, and that's, that's the other coaching role. I, what I tell my kids too, is like, it's going to be terrible the first few times. That's right. You just got to suck it up. <laughs> Don't judge yourself on, on your first four or five tries. That's Give yourself right. like, 
many, many tries before you, before you judge whether or not you're good at something. That's the truth. So, and we talked about that at the beginning about the we whole did. podcasting thing. Like, we like did. you got to do it for a year before you decide whether or not I'm any good at it. That's right. Full circle. The first ones. Yeah. I, I, my first interview, the person didn't even, didn't even post it. Like I didn't, even, didn't have the words to say. I was so nervous. Sorry. I was like reading stuff and like, and I'm like, I mean, I told my kids that afterwards. I'm like, God, that was awful. Cause I worked, I've worked from home for a long time. So they see this and I've actually yes. helped with the company. Oh, that's and, funny. um, and, uh, and like, I'm in my, you know, I'm in my fifties and, and, uh, I'm like all nervous about, they're That's like, right. dad, you're like a professional. I'm like, yeah, but I haven't done this before. <laughs> I know. I know. See, like, we're I'm practicing like I'm... what we preach. We're, we're getting yeah. out there and trying it. Yep. And it's, oh, it's helpful funny. to have someone say, it's just, it's very, it's nerve wracking. And yep. when you're, you've done it a bunch of times, when actually when you've done it a bunch of times, it's not nerve wracking anymore. It's true. But when you do something different, you haven't done before. It's nerve wracking. It is. It is. So. Oh, this is such a great conversation, Kimball. I'm so glad that you had time in your schedule to do this. I want to wrap up by um, asking you, where can people learn more? Where can people connect with empowering parents? Where can they, you know, reach out if they have questions about what's happening in their family? Like, give us kind of the lowdown here. So our website is empoweringparents.com. That's that's the best place to go. We have okay. hundreds of free articles. Uh, we recommend signing up for the total transformation program. If you're having child behavior problems, because you really need a comprehensive approach with the hard kids. Yeah. And it gives you, it takes, it takes, if you do like a unit a week, which is a couple hours, you can, you can go through the program in a couple of months. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrific program. Um, we're also on social media. Okay. Uh, empowering parents on social media and then Instagram to search for empowering parents. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time today. It was so great meeting you. I really liked what you shared. I think there's a lot of good nuggets here that especially, you know, some of us millennial and Gen Z parents can put to good use. And it sounds like a wonderful resource. So thank you for being here. Thank you. All right. You have a great afternoon and I'll follow up with Shelby. Okay. Okay. That was All fun. Right. It was fun. <laughs> I think we did good. <laughs> I, can keep, I can keep going about this stuff. I know so. it is pretty interesting. It's there's good. It's important we, work. We, um, we, uh, if you, if you want to ever do a, I don't know how, like you, if, how you can, uh, judge what your readers want to hear and stuff, but, but we, we sort of headed, we got into the topic of, and I have a whole article on this about, um, smart, but helpless kids, wow. how to, how to help your child make it in the real world. And we covered some of the topics in there, okay. especially around, especially around the, the, um, uh, how do you, how do you get your kids who like, they get pretty good grades and stuff, but like, how do you, oh, yeah. like, you can't imagine them making it in the real world. Like how they do that. So, scary thought, it is a scary <laughs> but thought. I think a lot of parents are having that thought. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think that they, their kids are way more capable than they realize. So I agree with you. They got a lot of potential, those kids. Yeah. Just parents get out of the way. Let That's right. That's right. I totally <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> All right, Kimball, I'll follow up. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you. All right. It was fun talking. It was. It was. Have a good afternoon. All right. You too. Bye. All right. See you later. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.